Welcome back once again to the Counter Vortex with your ranter, Bill Weinberg, ranting at you on the evening of February 11th, 2023, from a rancho outside La Paz, Baja California Sur, Mexico, where I happen to be at the moment. And uh, tonight we're going to be um, reviewing a book which partially concerns this part of the world, as a matter of fact. Bad Mexicans, Race, Empire, and Revolution in the Borderlands by Kelly Lytle Hernandez, published by W.W. Norton, New York City, where I am not at the moment, <laughs> 2022. And uh, it is definitely a very hopeful sign that a briskly selling book from a mainstream publisher, long listed for the National Book Award, not only concerns anarchists, but actually treats them with seriousness and presents them as the good guys, even heroes. The eponymous bad Mexicans of Kelly Lytle Hernandez's sarcastic title are the Magonistas, followers of the notorious Magon brothers, early progenitors of the Mexican Revolution of 1910 to 1920, who first raised a cry for the overthrow of the decades-long ultra-oppressive dictatorship of Porfirio Diaz, bad Mexicans, quote-unquote, was the epithet used by both Mexican and U.S. authorities for this network of subversives who organized on both sides of the border. Bad Mexicans, meaning the book, is also significant in its focus on the role of the borderlands in the changes that swept both Mexico and the United States in the first decades of the 20th century, centering a region that has been marginalized by traditional histories of both countries. In Hernandez's view, not only were the Magonistas critical in sparking the Mexican Revolution, but the crackdown on them by U.S. authorities was instrumental in the formation of the FBI and much of the police state apparatus still with us today on the north side of the international line. This bi-national crackdown, undertaken at the behest of gringo captains of industry with interests on either side of the line, primarily railroads and minerals, involved both Diaz's dreaded Rurales and the nascent U.S. Bureau of Investigation, later the FBI, as well as the Texas and Arizona Rangers, private police forces like the Pinkertons, and local sheriffs and bounty hunters. Hernandez calls this a counterinsurgency effort, somewhat hyperbolically, the Magonista campaign was at this time one of agitation and organizing. The three brothers were, most famously, Ricardo Flores Magon, his collaborator Enrique Flores Magon, and the less enthusiastic Jesus Flores Magon, who started out as a supporter of the cause, but grew somewhat alienated as the other two siblings were radicalized. Democratic dissidents, but not yet anarchists, they launched their newspaper, Regeneración, 
in Mexico City in 1901. And by 1904, were openly calling for revolution against Diaz. The following year, they launched the Mexican Liberal Party, PLM, to advance this aim. Repeated raids on their offices by Diaz's authorities soon forced them into exile in the United States, first to San Antonio, later to St. Louis and Los Angeles. From there, they continued to publish and had copies of Regeneración smuggled into Mexico, winning a following among both Mexicans and Mexican-Americans. Hernandez details the abuses that fueled popular discontent either side of the line. In Mexico, the ongoing harsh oppression of the peasants and poor was punctuated by massive atrocities, such as the forced relocation of the Yaqui indigenous people far from their homeland in northern Mexico to slave labor on the plantations of the Yucatan after they had the temerity to rise up against encroachments on their lands in the 1890s. Also critical was the deadly repression of strikers at the US-owned Cananea copper mine in 1906. On the US side, this period saw repeated instances of lynch mob terror against Mexican-Americans in the so-called Brown Belt of Southern Texas, where a system of Juan Crow was enforced. Hernandez also brings to light information on lesser known figures in the same network of dissent as the Magón brothers, such as the anarcha-feminist Belén Gutiérrez de Mendoza, publisher of the journal Vesper, acquiring guns and organizing armed cells or focos. The Magonistas launched sporadic raids across the border from U.S. territory, most significantly on Jiménez and less successfully on Ciudad Juarez, both in 1906. This increased the pressure on U.S. authorities to break up their network. Intense surveillance and police raids on the Regeneración offices in exile followed, forcing the Magonistas from city to city. Ricardo, for a while, even took refuge in Canada. His followers in the border zone were meanwhile subject to what Hernandez anachronistically calls extraordinary rendition, abduction across the frontier to be turned over to the Rorales. But the transformation of the Magón brothers into anarchists was gradual and somewhat equivocal as the name of the PLM, Mexican Liberal Party, implies they were originally motivated by fealty to the ideals of Mexico's great liberal leader, Benito Juarez, and his constitution of 1857, which guaranteed basic freedoms and which Diaz had betrayed. It was only in Los Angeles exile late in his career that Ricardo Flores Magón, influenced by figures such as Emma Goldman, declared himself an anarchist, calling not only for overthrow of the Diaz dictatorship, but abolition of the state altogether. In a rather blatant contradiction, even after this, he would put himself forth as a candidate to challenge Diaz for the presidency of Mexico. 
It's to Hernandez's credit that she avoids hagiography. These contradictions are acknowledged, as is Ricardo Flores Magón's unfortunate sexism. Even after being befriended by Emma Goldman in St. Louis, his writings revealed that he viewed women in the revolutionary struggle as mere auxiliaries and cheerleaders for the male protagonist. When he got into a faction fight with Belén Gutiérrez de Mendoza, he outed her, accurately or not, as a lesbian in the pages of Regeneración. This was not the only time he resorted to the homosexual stigma against political rivals. The embrace of anarchism also inflamed factionalism in the Magonista organization with the liberals and socialists ultimately defecting. Ironically, by the time the Mexican Revolution broke out, the Magonista star was setting. The last disastrous hurrah was the Baja California campaign of early 1911, which was debilitated by the factionalism and ultimately a complete paucity of military discipline. Most embarrassingly, gringo filibusters tried to piggyback on the Magonista expedition, hoping to seize pieces of Mexican territory and allowing Diaz to stigmatize the campaign as a neo-colonial venture. Hernandez gives this episode somewhat short shrift, detailing the attempted taking of Mexicali, but not Tijuana or Ensenada. By this time, the more patrician, mild, and reformist opposition figure Francisco Madero had more plausibly challenged Diaz for the presidency and denied it by fraud, of course, organized an insurrectionist campaign to successfully take Ciudad Juarez, the first real battle of the revolution. Pancho Villa and Emiliano Zapata, the two great peasant revolutionaries of Mexico's north and south, respectively, launched true insurgencies that won broad support and persisted for years. Yet Maganista influence could be seen in these new movements. Zapata had been a reader of Regeneración, and there was clearly a strong stamp of anarchism on the Zapatista insurgency. Ricardo Flores Magón, in failing health, disappeared into the U.S. prison system, having been unsuccessfully prosecuted for violating the Neutrality Act in the attempted Magonista raid on Juarez, In 1918, he would be successfully convicted under the Espionage Act for encouraging draft resistance in the pages of Regeneración amid World War I and the attendant Red Scare. He would die in Leavenworth Federal Penitentiary in 1922. He would, however, be posthumously lionized as a hero of the Mexican Revolution and his remains have today been reinterred at the Rotunda of Distinguished Persons in Mexico City. While generally unflinching, Hernandez does sometimes try to sanitize her material. She writes that the Mexican Revolution restored democratic rule, quote unquote, without mentioning that once victorious, it shortly degenerated into an authoritarian one-party state 
with the agrarian and autonomous vision of Villa and Zapata largely betrayed as the two peasant leaders themselves were to their deaths. <clears throat> she also mentions that the Magonistas were petitioned by some of their followers to adopt exclusion of Chinese immigrants from Mexico as a platform plank, but perhaps too readily exculpates Ricardo Flores Magón of sympathy with this position. She discusses the Chinese Exclusion Act and deadly attacks on Chinese immigrants in the US as indicative of the xenophobic climate in the United States at this time. She does not mention the deadly pogrom unleashed on the Chinese community of the Mexican city of Torreon when it was taken by revolutionary forces in 1911 with more than 300 killed. Some historians, most notably Carlos Castañón, author of a study on the Chinese of Torreon, have blamed local magonistas for stirring up anti-Chinese sentiment. Hernandez calls herself a rebel historian, quote unquote. We need more of these, but also those with the fortitude to be ruthless, even in treatment of their own heroes. All told, Hernandez gets high marks here. Hopefully her work, almost certainly the most in-depth yet on Magonismo, will spur further explorations of this formative period, both for Mexico and Gringolandia, and the largely overlooked role of anarchism. So do check it out. All in all, a great book, Bad Mexicans, Race, Empire, and the Revolution in the Borderlands by Kelly Lytle Hernandez, W.W. Norton and Company, New York, 2022. And uh, do join us once again for the Counter Vortex. The next time I get it together to rant from Baja California Sur, <clears throat> or when I get back to New York. This has been Bill Weinberg with the Counter Vortex. Check us out online at countervortex.org. Please support us on Patreon. Join the Counter Vortex. Join the resistance. And rant on you next time. <laughs>